Well, I'm excited. I love John chapter 6. Brother Ben finished up chapter 5 last time, so I'm excited to do chapter 6. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the great power and anointing of the Holy Spirit that will be here tonight, that you and you alone are here and that It's your Holy Spirit that gives us insight and wisdom and counsel and understanding. And Lord, it's to you that I lean upon, I trust, I I need your help, I need your strength, I need your anointing, Lord, because it's you, the your anointing that sets the captives free. It's you who gives us understanding into your word. And Lord, help us, help us to see, help us to understand what Jesus wanted us to see. Open our eyes, Lord. Help me to to say the right things. Help us to see, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, at the end of chapter 5, as I'm sure you read, Jesus said to the Pharisees and to the Jews who were listening, He said, you don't really believe in Moses, because if you believed in Moses, you'd believe in me. Now, just to ask you, what what do you think, How how do you think they responded to that? What do you think they were was going through their head when when Jesus said to them, you don't really believe in Moses? They couldn't believe what he just said. I mean, these people revered and honored Moses like no other. He was the founder of their faith. He was the lawgiver. He was the leader. He was everything. And Jesus just said to them, you don't really believe in Moses. Because if you really believed in Moses, you'd believe in me because he wrote about me. Now, what he just said has actually a great deal of meaning in what he does in John chapter 6. It's more what he does than what he says. So, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on. And I want you to think... And here's the question. John chapter 6, verse 1 through 15, it's the feeding of the 5,000. If you remember that well enough, in what ways, I see four, but you might see more, you might see less, but in what ways was Jesus like Moses in those 15 verses? Any takers? Think of anything? You see any similarities? Any something? There you go. That's a, that, to me, that's a big one. Moses fed the people. And, and technically, Moses didn't do it. But he was the one they looked to. And he prayed and asked. And God spoke to him. And he told the people, the manna's going to show up every morning, six days a week. 
seventh day, uh, the, or the seventh day, you won't go out because on the sixth day there'll be double amount, and you can't save up for each day is just enough for each day. So he did a miraculous thing with bread, and here Jesus is doing a miraculous thing with bread. Okay, so we'll chalk that up as one. Do you see anything else? Any other similarities? Something you can... uh, Some are kind of common sense, you know, kind of simple. What do you think? There you go. That... I know that's simple, but it is. It's true. They were both leading a large group of people. And the picture you see there is Jesus is walking, and he's got 5,000 at least men. And who, who knows how many women and children are along with there. So you're talking about a pretty huge group of people who are following Jesus. They wouldn't get away from him. They, he couldn't shake them. So just like Moses was leading a large group, Jesus was leading a large group. Again, I don't think that was by chance. So do you see anything else? Ben, what do you think? There you go. That's the third thing. He w- Moses went up on the mountain to get the law, but Jesus, he didn't. He could have done everything right there at the edge of the Sea of Galilee, of Tiberias, but no, he went ahead and climbed up the mountain, and they climbed up the mountain with him. So, I think Jesus is doing all of this because of what he just said at the end of chapter 5. He is showing them that he's greater than Moses. In order for them to truly believe in Jesus, they were going to have to let go of a lot of things about Moses. Sometimes you've got to let go of some of your old doctrines and your old thinking in order to receive that which is new. You've got to have new wineskins. So I can think of one other similarity I'm looking for. Those are three of the four that I, I thought about. What's that? Okay, that was, that's, a, that's a little stretch uh, because Moses didn't actually, uh, well, he kind of made it dry so they could walk through. So I guess there, there's a little similarity there. That happened a little later. I'm just trying to focus in on these 15 verses of the feeding of the 5,000. That's a, that's a little bit uh, separate from that. But uh, can anybody see anything else? What do you think, Ms. Cobb? Say that again. He spoke with God, same thing. Moses spoke with God, exactly. Uh, And it tells us that Moses talked with God face to face. And Jesus communicated with the Father the same way. I agree with that. That's one I hadn't seen, but that's true. Another thing I see that I was thinking about, and that is, The reason the crowd was following Moses. Why was the crowd following Moses? Because of the miracles that he did. He did amazing miracles back in Egypt. uh, And then, you know, those ten plagues, those were amazing miracles. And so, you know, 
and then they, they, they saw the, the, the manna every day and, and the water out of the rock. So those people were following Moses because of the miracle. And it specifically tells us in these first 15 verses that these people were following Jesus because of the signs. So let's read those 15 verses. And I want us to kind of focus in on the feeding of the 5,000 because I believe there's some things I believe the Lord wants us to see. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And then a great multitude followed him because they saw his sign, which he performed on those who were diseased. So they were there after the miracles, because of the miracles. And Jesus went up on the mountain, same thing Moses did. And there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, Feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So he, 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 you know, he knew exactly what he was going to do, so there was another reason for him asking this question, obviously. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so it kind of made it comfortable. So the men sat down, in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, this is truly the prophet who is to come in the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, let's just think just in terms of where this happened. It didn't happen on the other shore. It happened on the more uh, desolate seashore. He went from a place that was more populated, you might say, to a place that was less populated. And even though he did that, even though he crossed over, there were still 5,000 people that found a way to get him. Now, time-wise, I doubt if there were 5,000 people that were there waiting for him. But it probably didn't take long for them to word to gather and word spread. And all of a sudden, people began to come from every direction. And they found Jesus because they heard this miracle worker, the guy who healed many diseases, 
They came because they believed they might see a miracle. So the fact that they're in a fairly desolate area, not too populated, uh, it's not, there was not a Burger King next door so that they could get a, hamburgers for everybody. He, he picked a place, and I, I'll say this this way. He picked a place where it would be impossible to feed them. Wouldn't you agree with that? He picked a place where it was going to be impo- humanly impossible to feed the, these disciples. And I think that when you see that, I think the very first thing that, that I see there is, is that somehow God works in our life and that he tries to get us in impossible situations. How many of you have ever thought that maybe God gets you in impossible situations where there's no other way to get out? You've, you've gotten, you've, you know what I'm talking about? And it's like he puts you between the rock and the hard place and he forces you to be in a place where you have no other choice but to trust in God, no other way out, no other way for God to, or for you to get out on your own. And just as Jesus, and I think that's the first thing that he wants us to see is that he purposefully went to a place that was impossible humanly to take care of these people so that he could show that he was the God of the impossible and that he could meet our needs even in an impossible situation. And it's like God wants to say to you tonight that don't be surprised when God puts you in an impossible situation. A lot of times we feel, and and you've probably done this, you feel like I can't handle this. You feel like, I can't love this person. You feel like, I can't handle this financially. You feel like, how can I possibly forgive this person? How can I possibly love this person when they are so mean? Uh, They're so ugly. Uh, You know, how can I do that? And yet God works in our life. And he, he puts us in impossible situations for a reason. How many of you believe, and this is just kind of for today, how many of you feel like you're in an impossible situation right now? Let me see your hand. Yeah, several people. You're in an impossible situation. And if you didn't raise your hand and you're not in an impossible situation, I just want you to know, hang on, you will be there. Because eventually, God works in your life. And again, isn't it amazing how many things in life are really a test? It's just a test. How are you going to respond? How are you going to react? And he said to Philip, Philip, what are we going to do? Knowing exactly what he was going to do. He wanted Philip to say it out loud. Lord, there is no way. We couldn't come up with enough money, even if we could go buy everything. We couldn't come up with enough money to pay for all the food that these people need. There's no way we can feed 5,000 people. And then they say, well, hey, there's a little kid over here. Got five loaves of bread. 
and he's got two fish. And dried fish was, is very common. If you go to Israel or go to the Middle East, that's pretty common food over there. Uh, they just take fish, skin them, gut them, uh, lay them out in the sun, and they just dry. They don't have refrigeration, a lot of them over there, so they just let them dry in the sun. Kind of like what they do down the bayou, they have dried fish, shrimp, same thing. They just let them dry. And they do the same thing. And the, most of the fish were about that, that long, not huge fish. Uh, I don't know what it relates to. We, when we were over in Israel, we, uh, when we went across the Sea of Tiberias, uh, there was a restaurant. We ate there. And they had these, they said, you want some fish? I said, yes. And so we get, you get the whole fish, eyeballs and all. Uh, and it's just there, and you just pick away the meat, and all the bones are there, and everything else is there. Uh, and they were about that long. So I'm sure that's probably the fish that, that that young boy had, five loaves and two fish. An impossible amount of people to feed with that little amount. And again... God could have done this several ways. Don't you believe Jesus had the power to just say, "Wrap," and there would be enough food for everybody? Don't you think he could probably do that if he wanted to? Or he, he, sure. God of this universe, creator of all things, he could have just created the food that was needed, but he didn't. He took the little bit that they had and he multiplied when they were willing to give of what they had. And again, I think that's the second thing he's trying to say to us. He takes the little bit that we have, if we'll give it, and then he multiplies that. He makes that into being more than enough. He, he, he changes the little bit that we have into being more than we could possibly imagine. I, I, I remember uh, several situations where there were people the Lord would say, I want you to forgive this person. Or I want you to love this person. I want One person in particular, a guy had stole a bunch of money from me, and, um, and the Lord said, I want you to love him, and I want you to forgive him. I want you to release that debt because I don't want you under the bondage of unforgiveness. And I remember struggling, saying, Lord, I don't like him, and I don't want to forgive him, and I don't want to, I don't want anyone to talk to him. And the Lord said, I want you to go over to his house and tell him that you love him. And I thought, you know, could I just go find a homeless person and tell them that I love them, you know, just anything, but not him, I, you know. And I was struggling with the truth. The truth was I hated the guy. I just did. I developed a real anger and a bitterness in my heart toward him. Uh, and that's what God was trying to root out. He was trying to dig that out of me, and I was resisting that. And the Lord wouldn't let go. He wouldn't give up. I, he kept, every time I prayed, that's all God wanted to talk about. You know, it's like, 
You know, couldn't we talk about something else? No, this is the issue right at hand. We're not moving on. We're not going to another test until we get through this test. So finally, finally, I said, Lord, I don't want to love him. I don't want to forgive him. But I'll do the best I can. As I went over there, I knocked on his door, and I remember praying, don't be home. Lord, don't let him be home. <laughs> now, God's not going to answer that prayer because he sent me over there. Of course, he opened the door. Oh, hello. How you doing, man? And of course, he's acting like nothing's wrong, you know. Stole $2,000, and he, he's acting like he's old old-time buddy here. And so I just, I remember thinking to myself, I feel very little love and forgiveness toward this guy. And that's what the Lord said. He said, give the little bit that you have, and I'll multiply it. And immediately I thought of the feeding of the 5,000. That's exactly what he calls us to do. Just give of the little bit that you have. And you may be facing some situations where you, you don't want to love somebody, you don't want to forgive them, you don't want to uh, treat them nice, but just give the little bit that you have. And then... Trust God. Just let him multiply that. You know, and it's, it's, it's amazing what happened. Because my heart just flooded. And I just, all that anger just washed away. And, and I just realized he was fine. <laughs> he had no problem, with, you know. He wasn't the one struggling. I was the one struggling. You know, so why not me not struggle? I don't need to be struggling here. This is just going to eat me alive. So I just forgave him. And when I'd see him after that, I'd talk to him like, you know, nothing ever happened. Just let it go. Forgave it. And, And God, if you'll obey God, God will, he'll make up all that. He's a God of provision. If you'll obey God, God will take care of all of that. And so again, I see that in this story that he takes the little bit that we have and, and, and we're willing to give it to him. You have to be willing to give it to him. And then once you do that, then he makes more than enough. The third thing I see is, third thing, Jesus never runs out of his supply. Aren't you glad God never runs out? He never runs out of love. He never runs out of goodness and mercy. You know, you don't have to worry that somehow he's run out of healing power. You know, sorry, it's all out. You know, the healing power's gone. God goosed it up all last week. No, it's not like that. He never runs out of anything. He is an infinite supply of all things look at verse 11 john 6 but jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to his disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish to excuse me as much as they wanted as much as they wanted. So 
what are we talking? We're talking about unlimited buffet. He laid and said, you can have all the fish and bread. You can, that's a lot when you, you know, if you say, listen, guys, we're short. Just take an itty, bitty, bitty, bitty bit. But if you say, take all you want. Boy, that changes everything. And, you know, when we eat on Wednesday night, which they ate on Wednesday night, you know, and there's plenty of food. Say, take all you want. I've seen all these A-poor guys. You know, they, you got to kind of stand back. You tell them, all you want, man. And here they come. You know, don't get ahead of them, you know. All you want. And that's the way God is. All you want. Why? Because he never runs out. He is, his supply is endless. And I believe that's the reason it says that. He says, take as much as you want. God's not scrimping, saving, holding back. When he gives to us abundantly, he gives as much as we need. And he is a God who never runs out of supply. It's just amazing. The other thing I see there, the, and it's in the same verse, and that is Jesus gives to us so that we can give to others. Look at that same verse again. See how he did it. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. Okay, I, I, we're going we're gonna to act this out. I need ten, ten people. I need ten people. Come on. Here we go. I got one. Okay. Here we go. I need ten. It doesn't matter. Men, women, it doesn't matter. Here we go. We got ten yet? Got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Hey, Cedric, you make ten. There we go. Yeah. All right. Here we go. And they were loaves like this, something like this, you know, probably unleavened bread because it was kind of the way they did it. So he blessed it, Lord bless this, and it was when he blessed it, it was, he, was, he was in a sense putting his miracle working power. And so then he broke it, and this one's already broken, so here you go, and that one's in two pieces. And there we go. And there we go. I hadn't tasted this. I don't know what it tastes like. Okay, there we go. Yours looks a little burned, brother. That's okay. <laughs> it's all right. You're a little burned, too. Okay. Okay, now, here we go. So, now, I want you to go give a piece of your bread to somebody else. Just like you were planning on feeding 5,000 people. Yeah, okay, I want you to come back after you've given some away. 
Okay, come back after you've given some. And I want to make a point with this. <laughs> Here we go. Now, hold up for everybody to see your piece, the piece that's left. Whatever you got left. Now, I want you to just imagine. If we were in that day... When those disciples broke off a piece and handed it to somebody, guess what just happened? When they looked back, their piece was just as big as it was before. Now, most of yours look smaller. <laughs> now, I told Chuck to buy the miracle-working brand of bread. Chuck, I wanted the miracle brand, the kind that fed 5,000. But can you imagine what it would be like to be one of his disciples to break off some, and every time you break it off, you look down there, and it grows back. And you break it off, and now all of a sudden you're breaking off most of it, and handing it to, and it goes, whoop. And you break it off, and whoop. And every time they break it off, it grows, and it resupplies itself. Isn't that amazing? That would have been amazing. Okay, you can go, and you can have the bread. I don't know what it tastes like. And the point is, is that he gives it to us. Jesus gives to us so that what? So that we would give to others. He does not give to us so that we would keep it. He gives us everything he gives us so that we would give it to others. So that we would bless others. And that's the picture that is shown here. Again, Jesus could have done it in a lot of ways. But he did it in this way. He took it. He broke it. He blessed it. He handed it to his 12 disciples. If we'd have had the two fish, then I'd have handed a fish to each of the other people. I, I couldn't come up with any fish, especially. Any fish we had, we, you, know, you would have eaten it before I got to it. Uh, but the idea is that it, it grew back. That's the only way I can describe it. It must have. And, and probably if I'd been one of those guys and I'd looked out and seen all those people, when I first broke it off, I'd have probably broke off the teeny tiny little, you know, about that big. Because I'm, I'm trying to th think in terms of making this stretch. Now, I noticed all you, you just were generous, man. You brought up, broke off a big old piece. Because you already knew the end of the story. <laughs> but they didn't know that. They thought in their natural mind, I'm going to have to make this stretch. It's kind of like at Thanksgiving and more in-laws and outlaws showed up. Then you think you have food, and you're the server, and so you got the little dressing, and you just give them a little tiny peck of dressing, because you want to make sure it goes around to everybody. Well, eventually, these disciples are breaking off a big old piece and giving it, and they're breaking it, and they're bre and every time, it just, just kept, the supply kept going, and that's what I... You know, God so loved us that we would love others. 
if you will give the love God has given to you, you will receive more love. The more you give out, the more you receive. And that's the principle. As you give out to others, God gives to you. Just like he was causing that bread and that fish to supernaturally and miraculously expand and replace what had been given out in the same way, if we will give of what God has given to us, God will replace it abundantly. You've heard it said before, it's true, you can't outgive God. But it's talking about more than money. We're talking about more than money. You love people, and you don't ever run out of love. And here's the interesting thing. If you refuse to love people, your love shrinks. You say, well, I don't have much, so what I've got, I'm going to hang on to. And I'm just going to retreat back home, and I'm going to hide out, and I'm not going to give any love because I don't have very much then you, that's all you've got. And what little you have will wither and shrink. But if you'll give away abundantly of the love that God has poured out in your heart, it's amazing. He'll give more and more and more and more. And then the last thing I want you to see in this feeding of the 5,000, and I don't know if you've ever looked at it like this, but... What happened at the end? After everybody's filled, what happens? They gather the fragments of what's left over. Now, I just, I'm going to give you a little different perspective. Why in the world would you want to pick up a bunch of pieces of bread everybody's been chewing on? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Everything that's left over... Why? Because he wants you to know. First thing, he wanted you to see the he wanted them to see the immenseness of what he had done. Not only had they fed five thousand, but they had twelve basketfuls left over. So it was the immensity of the miracle, but also it was God's way of saying he never wastes anything. He could have thrown that stuff in the dirt and let everybody just keep whatever they had left and, and walked away. But he didn't. He gathered it all back together. He wanted them to see the miracle-working power of God by seeing those 12 baskets. And he wanted them to know God never wastes anything. And when I, when I think about that, I think, you know, every trial you go through, every battle you face... It's never wasted. The tears that you shed over your children or your grandchildren, the, the, the trials that you go through with a loved one, they're never wasted because God never wastes anything. When God does a miracle, He wants you to know it's not wasted. Every situation you go through, God has a plan and a purpose and something he wants to do in your life, something he wants to 
change in us. He wants to change in someone else. He wants to work in that situation. So every battle, every trial, every temptation, every situation where you're faced in an impossible situation, God wants you to know just by the fact that he gathered it all up, it was his way of saying, I don't waste anything. And I have no doubt they probably ate that bread. They probably put it to good use. It probably fed people. And it was God's way of saying, I don't waste anything. And God wants you to know the trials you're going through, the difficulties you're going through, he doesn't waste that. The difficult times that you go through, tears that you cry over a situation, he never wastes anything. Bow your head with me. Lord, I just want to thank you tonight. Some people going through some battles, and I know we talked about this last Sunday, but Father, I thank you that tonight there are people going through some battles, and they, and they wonder, why in the world am I going through this battle? And is it ever going to be over? And, and, and is it ever going to be, be a conclusion? And Lord, I just would like you to strengthen and encourage your people and remind every person here that every battle we go through it's never wasted because you waste nothing. You always have a plan and a purpose, a reason for the battles we go through, a reason for the situations that we face. And maybe even our friends face. Lord, there's a plan and a purpose and a reason for all things. Lord, help us to trust you, to lean on you, and knowing, Lord, that you will not waste anything. I thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that there are some people here tonight that are just trying to come to that point where they can trust in Jesus. They can rely upon Jesus, where they can turn their life over to Jesus. Lord, to help them. I ask you, Lord, to help them. To come to that point of surrender, to say, Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you you'll do that, I can assure you nothing is ever wasted. The best decision of your life. Help us, Lord. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.